welcome to this week's Curious About Nature podcast. I'm joined by Helen Rogers from Highgate Honey. Hi there, Hi, Helen. Rachel. Hello, good morning. Thank you for having me here. Oh, it's a pleasure. Today we're going to be talking about one of my favourite subjects, bees. What more could you ask for on a sunny day? It's perfect. Just a glorious day. So yeah, as you say, it's all about the bees today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit about your background? Certainly, yes. I grew up in rural Oxfordshire and was so fortunate to have a lovely childhood. We lived in the middle of nowhere. So my brothers and I and the neighbours' children all roamed around. We built tree houses, we dug holes, we cycled everywhere, climbed trees grew stuff my mother's a great gardener so we were all encouraged whether we liked it or not <laughs> to get <laughs> involved in the garden those formative years are so important and I've retained that connection with nature ever since even though now I live in London I work partly as a structural engineer and I also have my own honeybee business called Highgate Honey as you mentioned so, yeah, after I graduated from university, I moved to London and I was working on lots of different building sites with my structural engineering work. And I was craving this nature connection. And it's very easy to get into London mode and in the city and not really pay attention to the seasons and all of that. And I realise now that I was missing that huge chunk of my life and everywhere I went I was craving it so I was looking at the parks and the trees and I started to notice lots of beehives around the place behind bushes on tops of buildings <laughs> and it got me thinking it really blew my mind that people could keep bees in the city I hadn't really thought about it before so I deep dived, as I do, into the subject and realised that, yeah, actually, London beekeeping is a thing. And it went from there. And we eventually ended up moving to Highgate. My husband and I met when we were living on canal boats. And again, I think looking back, I was craving the nature connection as well. So I'd been doing flat shares and had no garden. and I got my own boat and being on the canal was amazing because you get all that wildlife even though I was often around King's Cross it was a really built up area all kinds of crazy stuff going on around there but getting back to the boat being woken up in the morning by the coots beep 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 outside my window and seeing the fish and all of that was balm for my soul I think um, and we ended up moving to Highgate which is in North London it's quite a green part of the city we're right next to Hampstead Heath which is a huge, huge area of green quite wild we chose to live here because I realized that when we had children I needed them to have that connection that I had in nature one year my husband surprised me by giving me a bee hive and he said look you've always been going on about keeping bees 
now's the time let's do it because we've got the space and you've got the time and the rest is history i've expanded and i look after about 30 hives now in various different parts of the city mainly in north london it's given me this amazing access to places which you never normally would get to so i'm up on rooftops I'm in little nature reserves. I'm in beautiful back gardens and all sorts of places. And it has completely reconnected me back where I began really appreciating nature. So that very first beehive then, was that literally, was it on top of your house roof? Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. We have a roof terrace just out there. <laughs> and I still keep a few hives here at home yeah. because there's nothing more wonderful than when I have to be stuck on the computer, just be able to look out of the window there and I can see my bees flying, which is so special. Yeah. And especially through the whole year, because a lot of people don't realise that honeybees don't actually hibernate. When it's cold, they stay in the hive. But as soon as there's a warm day, even if it's February, the sun comes out and there's a bit of warmth on the hives, they'll be out flying. So I can keep a close eye on them here. And that gives me a good indication about what the rest of my beehives might be up to as well. Yeah. It's such a fascinating subject. I'm curious, have you got any favorite experiences as a beekeeper oh so many i think i've made every single mistake that it's possible to make as a beekeeper but one of my favorite things is to show people inside a hive for the very first time because they never expect there to be so many bees in a hive at this time of the year we're towards the end of june is the longest day just coming up now and that's when honeybee colonies are at their largest and they have about 60,000 bees in a hive. And uh, when you lift the lid on a hive, the smell is amazing. So I help run the North London Beekeepers Club, which is a club for people who are interested in beekeeping. You don't necessarily have to own your own hives, but I teach a lot there and particularly the beginners course so i get that pleasure every year of showing a group of people into a beehive for the first time which is just so special it does sound really special definitely have you got any favorite facts about bees that you want to share with us well in this country we have about 270 different types of bee and only one of those types is the honeybee and we have about 20 different types of bumblebee and most of the rest of the bees are solitary bees mm. um, and most people don't know that you know that we have such a huge range of different bees and what I love about it all is that they all have different requirements so bumblebees have much longer tongues than honeybees so they're able to forage on different flowers and some of the solitary bees are really picky about what they like to forage on. And there's one type of bee called the ivy bee, mm. who, guess what it feeds on? <laughs> Only ivy. So they emerge from the ground where they, their eggs were laid the previous year. And they emerge in the late autumn when the ivy's in full flower. 
and they come out, they feed on the ivy, they mate, they lay their eggs for the next year, and that is their entire life cycle. So they're so specific. We're lucky that we have quite a lot of them around here. Do you have any tips for anyone who's maybe thinking about starting to become a beekeeper? Being a beekeeper is a massive commitment and it's a lot of work. You need to be checking on your bees at least once a week at this time of the year and sometimes it's more often. You really need to appreciate how it all works. So what I suggest you do is get in touch with your local bee club and many of them run beginners courses and many of them even run taster days or half days. So I'd really recommend you go along to one of those, meet your local beekeepers and they'll be so happy to see you and get a feel for it because they'll have all the equipment, the bee suits and smokers and all of that stuff. And if you like it when you do the taste today, I really recommend you go and do a beginner's course. And if you're in a club, you'll get lots of support. So if something goes wrong, you will have someone you can phone and say, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it <laughs> sounds just, like sensible advice, definitely. <laughs> yeah, don't rush into it. That's my big advice. But there's tons of stuff you can do to support bees in general without actually being a beekeeper. Yeah. So coming on to that then, have you got any tips for maybe planning a bee-friendly garden? Yes, I always try and have something in flower in my garden at all times of the year for the bees. Because like I said, honeybees don't hibernate. So if they're flying in February, you want to see if you can have something out for them, like winter jasmine or stuff like that. Bees are generally pretty well catered for in the middle of the year. So it's really helpful to get early plants planted mm. for them, like the spring bulbs, like things like snowdrops, crocuses. Daffodils aren't great for bees particularly. And then things at the end of the year, like goldenrod, things like that. But there's also a lot of things you can do to help bees in general, like not mowing your lawn so short so at this time of the year we've got a lot of clover in our lawn which is in full flower and the bees are loving it so if you need to mow your lawn then set it on the highest setting so you're not destroying all the forage there um, but if you want to plan there's tons of resources on the internet and books and things my mum and I actually wrote a little book over lockdown it's called 80 flowers for bees and my mum's a horticulturalist and she's proper old school, knows how to grow everything and was able to give a lot of information about, you know, whether plants need sun and shade and what type of soil they like. And I was able to feed in the best plants um, that bees like. So between us, we've created this. It's not very thick. It, it's 100 pages or something like that but it's really helpful and it gives information about the best colors of flowers that bees prefer and all that sort of stuff so you can help all bees not just honeybees yeah your bee book Helen looks really great I'm going to be buying that for myself I think and for my mother-in-law as a present have you got any other recommendations any other resources that you would like to share yeah I mean there's a lot you can do 
for bees and one of the best things you can do is provide habitat for them so if you've got a an area in your garden that you can put some sand down a lot of the solitary bees like to burrow in the sand and lay their eggs so if you've got an undisturbed patch that you can do that in also you can provide things like insect hotels where they can lay eggs because each type of bee has its own requirements i really recommend the bumblebee conservation trust they produce this really nice book it's called bumblebees an introduction but it gives a really good overview of just the bumblebees of which i think we've got about 20 types in this country and it's fun to try and spot them and again they have particular requirements some of them like to burrow in the soil some like to lay their eggs in hollowed out stems of flowers and things like that but yeah, they have a lot of tips on how to make your garden more bee friendly as well. So I'd recommend having a look at their website. Yeah, you just touched on there a little bit about some kind of nature and kind of gardening activities that you could do as a family. Have you got any other suggestions? We love fruit and vegetables, so we grow quite a lot in our garden. We don't have a massive garden by any stretch of the imagination. But we have apple trees as espaliers against the fence, which means that they're flat, so they don't take up a huge amount of room. And we grow lots of tomatoes and aubergines and courgettes, and all of these things are pollinated by bees. So it's good for the bees and good for us as well. And my children really enjoy getting involved in sowing the seeds and watching them being pollinated by the bees yeah so there's a lot you can do for the bees but it can also benefit you so growing your own fruit and vegetables is beneficial to everybody and another random bee fact did you know <laughs> only bumblebees can pollinate tomatoes because I they have to be that. buzz pollinated which means that the bee lands on the flower and literally has to shake the pollen out of the flower and only bumblebees are strong enough to do that wow yeah it's a really it's a really good i think indicator isn't it about how everything is so interconnected in the world you've got these plants fruits uh, vegetables that need the insects to help pollinate them definitely um, i think it's said that every third mouthful of food that we put into our mouths will have been pollinated by an insect mm. so without them we're not in a good place at all <laughs> yeah yeah that's the reason buttercup exists we want to educate people but to show that there are things in nature that solve the problems as well as it being the negatives so that people can feel empowered to do something about it for sure it's nothing more fun than planting a bean and then a few days later it's popping up and growing and then eventually being able to pick your own beans and eat them it's fantastic for especially for children and i love it too <laughs> <laughs> yeah so do you have any courses that you've used with your own family on maybe the activities yeah so there's one book that i would really recommend which are particularly good for families it's called the book of bees and it's a big book, as you can see, it's 
23 size, but it's really beautifully illustrated. It's all about honeybees. It explains how they live, their life cycle, beekeepers, different types of hive, and it's got so much information in it. I've learnt stuff from it. I think it's mainly intended as a children's book, but all the adults I've ever showed it to have really liked it too. So I really recommend that book. But there's lots of stuff you can do out and about. There's lots of charts you can get of, I couldn't find my bee chart, but this is just a sort of more general insect plant, the mini beasts and things. So it's got butterflies, spiders. And uh, when my children were a bit younger, we used to go on like spotting walks. So we'd see how many of them that we could spot. And there's lots and lots of good books for bee identification because it's quite yeah. fun to see how many different types of bee you can spot. Some of them are way too detailed. And because we've got 270 different types of bee in the country, it's very difficult to tell the difference between a lot of the solitary bees. So I recommend this book, which is called The Field Guide to Bumblebees of Great Britain and Ireland. And what I like about it is that down the side of each page, it's got a simple diagram. So you can very quickly flip through and find the bee that you're looking at. One of my children's favourite things to do in the garden is to watch the bees and what colour pollen they're collecting mm. because each type of flower has a different colour pollen and I can look at my hives and watch the bees coming home and I can tell by looking at the colours what it is that they've been foraging on. So earlier this year when I see bright red pollen coming in and they carry it on their back legs. They have these special hairs called pollen baskets and the bees pack the pollen in between these hairs. So it looks like they're wearing really fancy trousers on the back legs. And if you see bright red pollen coming home, that's from the horse chestnuts. This time of the year, there's a lot of poppies around and poppy pollen is dark blue, almost black. So I was a bit alarmed the other day because I looked in my hives and in the honeycomb, there were quite a few cells filled with black pollen. And then I remembered that poppy pollen is this colour and there's a lot of poppy out. So I know that they've been busy foraging on those. So we quite enjoy doing that. And you can get little charts if you look on the Internet of pollen colours and you can try and see what it is that they've been foraging on so that's quite a nice thing to do too yeah and no, i love it i was looking through your blog post about that you know it's fascinating it really is i made that connection before but i think knowing just how varied that that makes also the color of the honey it's amazing it really is so how do you think we should encourage this connection with nature I was so fortunate to have it automatically built into my childhood. I don't think my parents ever really consciously did nature with us. <laughs> but living in London and before we lived here, we were in quite a built up part of town. And it was very important to me to walk with my children in wild places and talk to them about 
where does our food come from? How does that apple arrive in a shop? What's the process about the bees? And we often walk through woodland and we talk about different types of tree and how the roots connect underground and how they can share resources and children don't need very much encouragement because they're so fascinated with everything in the world and I think we have to sometimes get our brains where their brains are and it's so much fun it really is and just spend time outside whatever the weather yeah I think you can't beat being in nature really to understand how it works so what's next for highgate honey oh i've got lots of plans i'm aiming by the end of this year to have a series of boxes that are available for making so i sell already beeswax candles beeswax wraps for wrapping food in instead of using cling film and stuff you can use it to preserve bread and sandwiches or whatever you want to do but I'd like to make some DIY boxes so we'll provide all the resources you need and then you can actually make things for yourself we'll be running a lot of honey tasting workshops towards the end of the year as well I've now learned you can't actually do anything new during this period so we always do our trainings and stuff over the winter period. In the future, I'd love to be able to do it so people get the box with the honey samples and then can watch on YouTube and do it in their own time as well. So yeah, we're planning lots of things like that. So if we wanted to book you or uh, find out more about what you offer, Helen, where, where do we find you online or maybe even in person? Yep. So I have a website which is called highgatehoney.com. We're also all over social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We've just ventured into TikTok, which I'm really not sure about, but <laughs> everywhere we're Highgate Honey. Yes, yeah, so come and find us. We also have a Facebook group which is called Flowers for Bees or something like that. So if you go to our Highgate Honey page, it's linked to that. So I'd love it if you'd come and join us there. I'm always available if you want to do something bespoke. Just get in touch. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a huge pleasure to hear all about the bees. And uh, it's definitely whetted my appetite to join the uh, Facebook group. So I look forward to planning my garden and joining a community of other like-minded people from the sound of that. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm always happy to talk about bees. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks.